What's up, guys? Welcome back to the New Evangelicals Podcast. It is great to have you here with me. Just a funny side note, I've tried to make this intro maybe now 11 times uh, to try and get the wording down. So here goes attempt number 12. Hopefully this one sticks. So on this episode of the podcast, I interviewed Eric, who is currently running his own podcast called The Preacher Boys. And his podcast is totally devoted to exposing the rampant sexual abuse in the independent fundamental Baptist movement, also known as the IFB. So this is, I'm going to say right now, a trigger warning, um, a pretty um, dark episode because Eric has done really difficult work of exposing how widespread this abuse is. We're talking pastors, uh, church leaders. We're talking pastors who have sexually abused minors now in positions of leadership still in the IFB. And Eric has documented all of this. So make sure you check out his podcast called The Preacher Boys. I'll make sure I put a link in in the show notes and check out this interview um, with yeah with Eric. So I appreciate everyone here. I just want to say really really quick. If you have not yet uh, liked um, or given us a rating on this podcast, if you could, that would be such a humongous help. It really helps us a ton. Just kind of get more into the search um, engines and to uh, be more discoverable for 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 new followers. So if you could do that, that would be a huge help. All right, everyone. Without further ado, here is the interview. All right, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the New Evangelicals podcast. Today, I'm just going to give everyone a heads up uh, for a trigger warning. The conversation might get a little serious regarding sexual abuse, but I do have Eric from the Preacher Boys uh, on my show today. Eric, thanks for making the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So I want to start here. I mean, I know we're going to get into a bunch of different things, but why don't you give us your background? How did you grow up? You know, it was in the Christian circles, non-Christian circles. And from there, we'll launch into what you do and all that stuff. I grew up hardcore Christian circles. So I was born and raised in the uh, independent fundamental Baptist movement or uh, for anyone who follows my page, IFB uh, for short, it gets a little mouthy trying to do independent fundamental Baptist every time we talk about it, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is, it, it is different. You know, a lot of people are familiar with the, the Southern Baptist, maybe American Baptist yeah. and the independent Baptist name is confusing because it's a little bit of a misnomer. So hmm. the term independent implies that they're all kind of on their own. They're these little, these little solo isolated Baptist churches, but right. really it, it is a denomination unto itself. It's a, it's a movement. So you've got, um, instead of having like a convention, like the Southern Baptist convention, yes. uh, it really is just a, a group of really like-minded kind of fundamentalist churches that are, are more closely connected to the Bible colleges that the pastors go to. So it is its oh. own thing. They don't affiliate with SBC, American Baptist. They would say we're proud to be independent Baptist, but they'll go to conferences as a group and celebrate their independence. So it's a very <laughs> odd kind of setup, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a very weird thing. So most, most groups are kind of triangular. You've got your leader and then you've got all these mm -hmm. subgroups. Yeah. There's a lot of those triangles in these circles. So you have Bob Jones University, you have Pensacola Christian College, West okay. Coast Baptist College, Golden State, and then Hiles Anderson. Those are kind of the big colleges. And then you have these little groups of churches that all come out of these kind of educational, if you can use that word loosely, yeah, yeah. educational kind of places. So I grew up in kind of a, a mix of a couple circles. Um, so I grew up in a mix of the West Coast, Hiles Anderson kind of college circles. So okay. 
we were we were a little bit looser than the majority and and i always say my my experience was relatively tame hmm. but it, it 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 was something where i i grew up in that movement my my parents were on staff i was hardcore you know king james only you know three <laughs> okay. times a week going to church you oh, know yeah. rocking the suit every every sunday from the mm-hmm. time i was a little kid yeah up through too. and it, it wasn't honestly till about uh, 11th grade when uh, my bubble kind of burst, I was all in. I didn't notice anything wrong. Now, in retrospect, I see a lot of things I just I sure. wouldn't agree with. But it was a safe bubble, and mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. were, you know, we were very much separated. That's one of the doctrines of the IFB is we're, the doctrine of separation. We were separated from the world, separated from other denominations. Yeah, we were this safe little island. And uh, around eleventh grade, uh, we had a we had a sexual predator actually get shuffled to our church. Um, and wow. literally uh, just by chance, I, I knew him through our basketball league. I Googled his name and found out all of this information about him. And uh, long story short, I spent the next two years trying to get someone to like pay attention and go like, Hey, this is a big deal. And uh, I, I kind of just got pushed out to the side and uh, he's still there <laughs> leading music to this day. Get um, out of here. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty wild, wild story. So I, I spent the last two years trying to get people to really pay attention to it. And yeah. because I got kind of hush, hush, you know, moved to the side um, I really started just researching the movement because I was shocked that this would happen within my denomination, my safe bubble. Yes, and yes, of ended course. up finding out that there was a ton of this stuff within the independent Baptist movement, and cover up was kind of the the modus operandi kind of thing. So it, uh, yeah, I don't, I can go a lot of different directions with that, but it was kind of a jarring thing, and. I always say it's, it, you've heard of the six degrees or seven degrees of yes, Kevin Bacon. Yes, like, of course. <laughs> it, it literally felt like that with like sex offenders. Like it felt like, oh okay, my this gosh. is a, we, we talk about the Catholic church, like this feels very similar and it's a much smaller kind of group. So, so uh, did that, how did that affect your faith? I mean, so I grew up not in the IFB, but I did grow up in a Baptist kind of flavor suit since I was a kid a lot of those things do ring somewhat true. Oh, pretty fundamentalist as well. Had to separate from the world, but again, nothing official on paper. So I get a lot of that safe space feeling. Your your friends are there. No. Now you're in eleventh grade. You're starting to think for yourself. This happens. What happens to your faith during this time? Yeah, I, I was really so. For me, it wasn't like we were a flavor of Christianity or we were a brand. Like we were the true Christianity. Mm-hmm. So like we were our, mm-hmm. like we had it. And yeah. then there was like the skater church down the road, <laughs> and there's like <laughs> right. the Southern Baptist church that like they're kind of okay. They should be okay, <laughs> right. but their music is a little crazy, right? Um, you know, or or they're Calvinistic. You know, like there was it, it, we were the ones that were right. We this was Christianity. This mm. was the church. You know, and I didn't know. John McCart. Like I didn't know those other names. I knew Paul Chapel and like my circle. Hmm. And so when this initially happened, it never shook my faith in the sense of I've never been at a point where I could say like, oh, I don't believe in God. Um, Cause I was too, I, I, I still like, I'm just like, I'm too convinced of that. I can't right. not see that. Right. But for me, the institution of the church, yeah. what I thought was big C I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, yeah, when I, when I was graduating, I was like, I'll go to my one year Bible college, appease everybody. I'll go live somewhere far away where no one's going to even ask if I'm going to a church. Like I was pretty much done yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, but 
but uh, yeah, again, long story short, I ended up taking an internship that was connected to a church. Um, it was a media internship. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ended up going, thank goodness I didn't go to one of the Bible colleges that I was going to go to. I think yeah. that would have dri- driven a nail in my, in my faith. And I think it would have just destroyed me as a person. I think it would have yeah. really crushed me. Um, I ended up going somewhere that was just thankfully a very, very gracious, amazing place. And uh, I, if I hadn't done that, I don't know where my faith would be now, but going, right. getting out on my own and getting out of that movement was yeah. like getting a, it was getting an oxygen mask put on me. Like I felt like I was experiencing <laughs> right. real mm. authentic faith and, and grace for yeah. the first time. Wow. So you, you left it and now you're kind of back in it, but with a whole different perspective, obviously. So what brought you back to make, you know, it seems like at least on, on social media, your presence is really focused on calling out abuse in the IFB. That's a very specific thing. And it seems like you're very committed to it. So what was the turning point where you said, you know, I've, I've got to go all the way with this. and, and, And this is a big problem that must be called out. So I, I, I left the IFB when I graduated. I mean, really, when I graduated high school, I pretty much left. I, I went back in it for a stint. Uh, I mean, I, I worked for an IFB organization, but I wasn't personally bought into that message. Uh-huh. Um, I, I just, that. I was bought into helping orphans and bought into, and, and the yep. guys I was working with at the time, I thought were very different than the people I, I had kind of known or, or researched. Uh-huh. It ended uh-huh. up finding out. I was, they were, they were involved in a lot of similar, not, hmm. not sex abuse stuff, but a lot of other, you know, financial things and all that kind of stuff. Wow. I've had a rocky journey for my <laughs> short life, but, yeah, you're not kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, I ended up, I, I worked with a guy, total narcissist, you know, hmm. was, was paying himself, you know, $15,000 a month and paying me $500 a month, like crazy, crazy stuff. Oh my goodness. And, uh, you know, ended up leaving that. That was kind of my last it was kind of the death blow to me being any adjacency to that. Mm. Um, and what, what, what ended up making me decide to become vocal about the independent Baptist movement, not just, you know, I was talking with Sarah Edmondson on my show the other day, and we talk about the moment where you leave silently or you blow it up. Yeah. And right. for me, the decision to blow it up was when in 2019, uh, there was a guy named Cameron Giovanelli. He was, he worked at one of the colleges and it came out that he had had a relationship with a, you know, I think 15 or 16 year old girl at, a, at one of the churches, opened up oh. a phone line for her on the church plan. Whoa. Like it was, it was, it was awful, but that happened. But then what happened to push me to, to speak out was there were literally pastors within the movement. Again, they act uniform in, in a lot of ways. They were raising money for his legal fees. They were writing articles, slamming the victim. They were literally like there was church letterhead with like fundraising for him after he pled guilty. And, uh, you know, there was an article written by one of the evangelists in the circle saying, you know, a lot of guilty pleas are out of, um, you know, plea bargaining. So, you know, you can't even trust a confession. And it was like, man, are we really going to do this? You know? And, and so that, that just prompted me, I I pulled over in my car uh, at our old apartment and I recorded a seven minute video, just kind of laying out what I felt about the movement and said, if you're connected to this person, this person, this person, all these people that have spoken against the victim, like you need to get out of your church, like right now, like if they're not going to cancel the ties, you need to leave. And, uh, 
yeah, that was kind of the start of it. And then a few days later, I, I kind of kicked my butt in gear to start doing a little bit more. So as you're saying that for those who aren't you know watching this, my jaw was literally dropped. I couldn't believe that story. Um, how long ago was that? Was that, was that recent? Yeah, that was 2019. So that was, okay. that was literally, wow. there, there was, so I graduated in 2013. So okay. for seven years, I kept saying, you know, someday someone's going to do a documentary or I'm going to do a documentary or I'll do a story about it. Or there'll be a big new, like, I was like, this is huge. Like this is big stuff. It'll get the Catholic church treatment that, you know, spotlight did. And, um, you know, my wife got to a point, she's like, you need to just do it or just like, stop talking about it. Like it's yeah, right. just <laughs> keep saying you're going to do something. Yeah. And yeah, that story, that. that story that reminded me so much of what I had seen then kind of pushed me to go like, okay, no one's going to do it unless I just do it. Like no yeah. one's going to focus on it with the same intensity and, and passion that I feel. Um, there were some amazing reporters that have done one-off stories, but you know, it doesn't pay their bills to focus on this day in, day out, you know, the, right. way, I, the way that I have. I'm wondering kind of out loud here. I wonder why, because I, I'll be honest, I follow you on Instagram. I see what you post and I think, how is this not blowing up? And the thing is too, you have, you share direct clips of them saying things that are clearly evil. Yeah. I mean, there's no other word to say, you know, evil. And yeah. I think, okay, this will get like a million billion shares and it, it doesn't for whatever reason. But I, what I'm wondering is, do you think part of the reason why the IFB has flown under the radar is because in the evangelical circle, they're kind of under the radar. I mean, I've heard of Pensacola. I've heard of Bob Jones. Is Steven Anderson one, one of those dudes? Is, is he IFB? Yes. The real crazy Steve, guy? Steven, Ander Steven Anderson calls himself new IFB. So he the IFB God, wasn't extreme scary. enough. So he he jumped out. Um, so yeah, he, but he's from one of those colleges. Like he went to Hiles Anderson College and left. And what's crazy is, is like, wow. if you look at... There was just a pastor's conference, uh, you, again, pastors in quotation marks for <laughs> right. audio listeners that <laughs> right. just met in Southern California. But if you listen to what they're saying from the pulpit and what Steven Anderson says, like they may like it's very it's a very thin line between mm. his rhetoric and theirs. They just might be a little bit more polished. But you've heard the clips. It's it's not much more. No, it's, it's, it's not really very not. political, you know, or diplomatic. Right. And so. so I'm wondering if if that is why I almost wonder. And this is just pure speculation. If like the SBC or whoever sees these guys and goes, well, no one really knows about them on like a grand level. And so we're not going to mm -hmm. touch that because we know once that rock is churned over, it's going to I mean, it's going to explode. Do you think, do you, th do you yeah, think that I, that's part of it or am I just misinformed? Do you think? I, I, I think about it a lot. I mean, I think about, cause I had someone message me that said this happened at my church and I left over it, but I haven't seen the news do anything about it. Right. I think honestly, the biggest reason, cause the Southern Baptist convention is dealing with their own mess right now. Yes, I mean, they've, they have totally. Rachel Den Hollander and all that, you know, just rightfully so breathing down their necks and they're, you know, and then you've got other evangelicalisms dealing with the Ravi thing, you know, yep, the Ravi Zacharias yep. case, um, you know, it, it, I, I, I don't know what the, the reason is that other denominations don't look, I think they're all focused on their own issues. I think the reason the news doesn't is because it is a very hard thing. If you're outside of it to understand how it's connected, because again, yes. to the, to the average person, if you see independent Baptist church, you're going, Oh, this lone wolf right. you know, is over here. Right. But if you're inside of it, you start seeing like literally there's a legal ministry that helps all of these churches 
with these cases. Like there's a huge story here with oh lots of gosh. threads, but you know, how does a reporter from the New York times or HuffPost sit, you know, or whatever organization you put in, sit down right. and go, okay. It, it, the Catholic church was like shooting fish in a barrel because it's like, okay, right. this leader knew. So that means this leader knew yep. and this leader knew. And does the Pope know? Like that's exactly, but with the IFB, there's no Pope, there's yes. no government. Right. And you know, when they need to bond together for a conference, they'll join together. But when the light comes on to, you know, say what's going on with abuse, they'll say, oh, we're independent. What are you talking about? We're right. independent churches. Right. No connection. It's a very tricky thing. Yeah. Mm. It has to be ex-members talking about it or else it's just not. And I, I think we're on the brink of this getting some real attention. And I can talk to you off mic about it. I think sure. we're on the brink of some of that stuff. But it, it's, it had to start the way that it has, which is ex-members like the ones that come on my show sharing what happened and, and matching up. Here's what happened in California. Here's what happened in Florida. Here's what's happened all over the place. It's all the same with the same players involved. So. Yes. Yeah, so well, I, I remember you sharing, and I'm sure you'll be able to fill in the gaps here, a story of a pastor who molested a nine-year-old and I think then was moved to a different church that was uncovered like years later. Now, I'm pretty sure I read that on, on, on your site, but I, I also read stories that are very similar to that, where it's like, like you said earlier, this person yeah. molested someone and then they kept it quiet and then they moved them to a different, a different church. And in this story, mm -hmm. the congregation had no idea that pastor did yeah. that until it was like seven or eight years later on. Is that kind of yeah. like one of like the MOs that you're seeing happening in the IFB as, yeah. uh, as far as how they actually cover up the abuse? Yeah. So the, the word that gets used a lot is restoration, you know, like that term, you know, that, 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 that term Hold gets me used back, a lot. Eric. Hold me back. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man. And, and it is, you, you see a lot of these organizations where they don't want to destroy, and I'm using their words, don't yes. want to destroy his life over a mistake. We want to look at the, we want to look at the good and not throw that away because of the, the bad. And so we want to work and send him somewhere where he can get better and be restored. That's the kind of terminology that's always used. And so wow. what happens is, is that you see, uh, you know, Hey, I'm a pastor. He obviously can't stay in my church. Some churches, they will just let them stay and the victim, you know, they weigh the weight and let the victim go, but oh they'll say, okay, you can go to my buddy's church who, you know, does this or to a more extreme example you know, sometimes they'll send them to a restoration ministry, you know, which one of the restoration ministries, uh, Fallen Grace Ministries, is ran by a man who's been credibly accused multiple times of rape himself. So you literally have the blind leading the blind. The, the person who runs that ministry, if I can digress just a bit to show you kind of the extremity of this. Go for it. Is uh, David Hiles, who's Father Jack Hiles, if you Google him, he was like one of the founders of the IFB as we know it today. Okay. Um, he, he was, he was credibly accused of rape by two women at the, at the college where he was working his dad's college and church. He ended up going and getting to take a pastoral position at a church in Texas okay. uh, where he had affairs with 19 different women um, within the church. Uh, a, a janitor ended up finding um, I forget if this was at the church in Texas or First Baptist, but one of the churches he was at, a janitor ended up finding a briefcase in the dumpster full of like porn and swinger magazines that him and his wife had, you know, put ads in and had taken pictures and put in the magazine. He's he then left there. Uh, he he went to a church in Florida, 
had an affair with the secretary there. She was busted in a prostitution ring uh, a few weeks, like a few weeks or months later. And she had a tattoo of his name on her thigh. Um, He, he then he, so he, that guy, this guy. Oh, and uh, there was also if you again, David Hiles, like if you look um, one of his children um, had, had multiple broken bones as like a, as like a two, a, yeah, less than two year old. Um, the the district attorney said it was an open and shut abuse case. Um, ended up the child did end up passing. Um, oh he, my he god! Pled the fifth. He, yeah, he pled the fifth. Um, they had another child. Ended up running that child over the, over with the car. Said that, that was an accident. Um, and all this stuff. It just come, like this guy's story is like an H. I mean, it could be an HBO series. Like it's it's so many layers. He's running, he's the guy running a restoration ministry out of Florida and helping fallen pastors, quote unquote, fallen pastors be restored. If that guy, if that guy is still being heralded by pastors as some hero and being fun, like being funded by churches, like when you look at a guy who's like, oh, he just molested one person in the grand scheme of things in that movement, he doesn't seem like that big a deal. But, but the reality is like, this happens over and over again. Yes, there are good ones in that movement, but those are the ones that are truly independent. The ones that are part of the organizations, I'm like, what's the, what's the excuse to stay, you know, like, what's the, what are you gaining from this relationship (laughs) where it's worth being connected with guys involved in this stuff? And it's not the fringe. That's the important thing. If, if, Mm. and I'll I'll be quiet, I swear, but this is the thing that I hope everybody gets. This is not the fringe of the IFB. Mm. Like I have these kind of stories for the, the, the heads, like the main leaders of the biggest colleges within the movement. It's not the one-off, you know, Oh, here's a, here's a parish kind of situation where this parish is corrupt. That's really what happened with the Catholic church is there were parishes that were infiltrated with a lot of predators and the system allowed them to thrive Mm. again, not excuse the Catholic church, but I'm saying it was parish by parish, you know, like the one in San Diego does a great job pushing back on sex abuse and helps sex abuse, abuse victims in a huge way. Right. But then you go to a place like, you know, Boston and it ran rampant. Right. The, The IFB, it's like literally all, you have all these little popes and it's starting from them down. You know, and that's a really, that's a really scary situation. Uh. For the Millers, movie nights were once tradition. Now Sarah could hardly get through the opening credits, not on that old couch. But one day while shopping on QVC.com, she learned Lazy Boy recliners had slimmed down a bit. And in just a few clicks, Sarah got her Lazy Boy chair and a popcorn maker and a soundbar by Bose. And with one quick trip to QVC.com, Movie Night and Sarah's Back were saved. Shop QVC.com slash podcast and use code QVC20podcast for $20 off $40 for new customers. This is shopping brought to life. Uh, yeah. You know, when you mentioned about um, this, the the child abuse, honestly, you know, I have a, a nine month old and like the thought of that, mm-hmm. it just, it makes me want to cry and, and throw my computer at the same exact time of how someone can be, especially claiming to be someone who represents God in a leadership position, like a pastor position um, can yeah. do that and live with themselves. Frankly, I, yeah. man, I, it's so hard to even know where to even go from here because it's, it's oh, it, it literally, like you said, it, it's like an HBO series. It's, it almost sounds larger than life, right? Like you hear that information, you go, are you, you cannot be serious. And obviously there is, yeah. yes, we are serious. Like this is real stuff. 
so why do you, my question kind of maybe for next, you know, for us to talk about is it seems like this is more often um, commonplace in churches than we want to admit, frankly, in the IFB, it seems like it's really yeah. running rampant. The Ravi Zacharias, obviously abuse came out. I, I listened to your interview with um, what's the guy's name who did the story on him. With Steve Bachman. Yeah. Yeah. Really Steve well Bachman. done. Yeah. Really great. I appreciated his posture too. It was like, it was so good. And, and so this happens and then we go, Oh, well that's a shame. And then we just kind of move on. Like the system doesn't change. What do you think is causing like, okay. My question is, do you think in, in your estimation, is it like a system is giving is creating these people or is it, is it, is it people individuals who are just evil, who are finding a place in these systems and corrupting them? Like, like chicken or the egg kind of thing. What, what's your perspective yeah. on this? It's, it's a, it's a good question. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of really good books on the why, like, why does this happen? Um, right. But I, I kind of echo, um, I had Jimmy Hinton, which I definitely recommend his interview to your, your listeners, Jimmy Hinton's interview with me. He, he reported his own father. He he's church. Of I Christ. listened to that one. It was um, amazing. Yeah. That was an amazing interview. And, and, yeah. I, I echo his sentiment in the sense of, he says, you could try to figure out the why, but at the end of the day, who cares why they do what they do mm. at the end of the day, it happens. And how do we identify it and prevent it? And I, I echo that in a lot of ways in the sense of, yeah, look for people who do this, there's something egregiously wrong. Like there, there's something deeply, deeply, deeply wrong yeah. with them. And I'm not comfortable excusing it away as a mental illness or mm-hmm. as a, I, there's just something deeply, deeply wrong. Right. And uh, the science does not show that, people who do this stuff change. I've yet to see a case where Mm. that has happened. Um, All all that to say, I think when you talk about the church system and why it happens, whether you're looking at Ravi Zacharias, whether you're looking at Carl Lentz, whether you're looking at, you know, Bill Hybels, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, more verbal abuse, like a Mark Driscoll, um, you know, any of these cases, um, especially within the IFB, I think it all goes back to the same problem in the IFB we call the pastors the the men of God. That's the label. It's yep. the man of God and or the or the mog, the MOG. Um and right. so that's that's the terminology. I always joke you could take away the man of and it's probably a more apt descriptor of how mm. much power that they have. Yeah. But if you look at all these cases, it's power unchecked. Yeah. Any any abuse situation is a result of power being completely unchecked. We tend to think about it when we think of, of, let's just say sexual assault, because that's the majority of what I deal with. Right. When you look at sexual assault, you tend to think about someone overpowering someone physically. Right. So you, so you, you, when you hear that Ravi Zacharias, you know, did this, you're going, he's this like kind of, he's tall, but he's kind of like an older man. Like you can't imagine this, but then imagine extremely wealthy, um, is traveling constantly, has personal assistance, has apparently a lot of money to spend on whatever he wants to, right. you know, opens up a ministry to pay for his own masseuse to travel with him wherever he goes. Yep. Like that's unchecked power. Like who, and when you look at these cases, there always is a person who's in a position where they are not questioned. Mm. They're not held accountable. There's no, I mentioned the pastor earlier that sparked me actually launching the show. He opened up a cell phone line on the church's plan for the girl involved, like how did nobody at the church have access to that information and see that? So, right. and again, it's totally on them, but like, is the system giving a blank check to a person to do whatever they want to do? And right. I think when you venerate 
uh, a person to such a high level that they can't be questioned, right? then narcissists and sex offenders and abusers are like, they're like gnats to a light bulb. Like they're like, yeah. I have to get to that position. Right. And so when it comes to the, is the church creating sexual abusers? I don't, I don't think so. Cause there's a lot of people that go to church that don't end up that <laughs> right. way. Right. Um, but do a lot of abusers use the path of religion because it's a path of least resistance? I think that's a hundred percent provable. Mm. And uh, I'll give two book examples, or I'll give three book examples. Why not? Um, sure, more show for notes it. for you. Um, <laughs> but I would say the, uh, the book predators by um, I'm blanking on the name, but it's, it's, it's called predators. Um, it, it, that book is a absolutely fantastic um look at what drives predators and what they look for. Um, when narcissism comes to church by Chuck DeGroat mm. um, is, a, is another great example. And it kind of explains how the narcissistic tendencies can look like great benefits. Like it can look like strong leadership. It can look like a good communicator. It can look like confidence, but it's huh. actually narcissism in disguise. Wow. Um, and then the other example I would give would be um, Pray Tell. It's a new book. I don't even know if it's actually released yet. It might come out later this month uh, by Tiffany Bloom. I had her on my show as well. And that book is a phenomenal, really digestible book um, to read that kind of explains that. So, Uh, yeah, I, I tend to, I tend to feel what you're feeling and, and and agreeing with you in a lot of those ways. It it makes you wonder though, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far down this path um, if we don't need to, but we, something I'm passionate about is like rethinking like the church that we have in America, mm-hmm. right? Like the American evangelical church right. and like the system that is set up, it really becomes a safe space. Like you said, for people like that, because what could look like, like a, a good quality leadership, which the, the church is like just drooling over these days. There's so many books on leadership, how to lead well. Um, and, you know, good communicators, which is like, you know, who wants to be the, the next Stephen Furtick, right? Who wants to have their videos go viral? That's going to have satellite campuses and, and yes, grow a mega know, church. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Right. And it's, it makes you wonder, I just feel like the system that we've built that we call church is unhealthy in a lot of ways. And this is one of like the worst ways is that it's become mm-hmm. a, a way to harbor people who can get away with um, abusing people. And this isn't, we're not talking about um, a, a guy has an affair with someone else and it's consensual and they made a mistake. Like that, that's one type of issue, right? There's trust broken with the spouse. Yeah. This is, this is sexual abuse. It's, it's a totally different ball game than just, Oh, like, you know, my wife and I weren't doing too well. I slept with, with, with this person and it was a big mistake and it was consensual. This is, you know, there's power dynamics here. There's manipulation yeah. dynamics here. And so it, it's all that more heinous because you're really robbing someone of their humanity. So I, I do right. wonder a lot, if I don't know, I, I just wonder personally how much longer this system can keep up with the way it's it's set up before it really comes in a big horrible way crashing down. I just don't know. Well, there, there's there's actually two things there uh, that just come to mind, and, and I do want, I kind of want to actually backtrack a little bit to sure because I said that do I think the church is creating the abusers? I and I said I don't think so. So I think there's actually a layer to that where the the way that we teach about sexuality, I think does Mm. teach harmful. I don't think that it necessarily, you know, well, it probably does. I think it does. If you follow it to the T does create abusers Mm. in the sense of when we teach that men are not responsible for their own actions. Like again, and again, this is yes, women can be abusers too, but we'll just take it to men. Yes. When you look at purity culture where you've got a, you know, you, you look at a guy and say, 
you know, women dress this way so you don't cause a man to lust versus a man saying like, I'm not going to look at women as objects (laughs) that is creating, you know, that's, that's rape culture, you know, like that is kind of by definition. Um, And so in that sense, I would say the church and the way it teaches can lead to this kind of stuff. And I do think, I think most people, the reason that not everybody does it, I think is because they let that roll off their back or they don't really follow it to the letter of like the logical extent of that. Mm-hmm. But that teaching does uh, the, the, the shooting that just happened in Georgia. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, the, the guy who did that, he said, he told the police, you know, and again, total psychopath told the police that he was trying to rid himself of sexual temptation. Oh, right. And uh, you know, Rachel Denhollander had an amazing tweet about it and just saying like, this stems from like, he, he was going to a Baptist, you know, church and she's yep. like, yep if you look at this teaching that says like women are responsible for you, right. You know, and what you're thinking, this is kind of the extreme. Yes. Not everyone's going to grab a gun and go shoot somebody. Right. But again, if you, if you have sex with someone before marriage and your purity's ruined, you're, you know, again, quote unquote, you're going to go after the woman for tempting you. You're going to go out. So that is a super harmful thing. And then the other other thing I wanted to say, Oh, and a a good book for that is uh, Rachel Welcher's book. um, uh, Talking back to purity culture is a really, really good book. Um, The other thing I wanted to say too, is about the consent thing, because yes, an affair or something, you know, you look at a lot of these cases and you say, if they were a CEO, what's the big deal, but it's because they're a pastor. It makes it a little bit worse. But I also kind of think, well, even the even the relationships that are consensual, quote unquote, hmm. when you have the amount of power that these men of God are given, hmm. how consensual can something be? You hmm. know what I mean? And, and again, I, there are cases where, you know, it is two people that, you know, they do. And, and again, right. the church can deal with that, however, but, I, but right. when it comes to, when it comes to a, a, a youth pastor and teenage girl, obviously it's wrong, but you've got the manipulation, but you also have even a pastor, like you look at a, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to look at, think of an example. Um, cause Carl didn't share, he was a pastor or so it was actually one of the few, it's not the case, uh, Falwell. Well, we'll take Falwell for example. There we go. Take someone with Falwell's position. Yep. You know what I mean? Like this is the president of Liberty university, which is pretty well known even beyond the Christian world. Like they are, totally. they've established themselves as a pretty huge place. Right. How much, how much of a power imbalance is there? Is is he physically imposing? Maybe not, but like he has unlimited money, resources. Yep. Ravi Zacharias, another good example. Unlimited yep. money, resources, multi, I mean, tens of millions of dollars every year going to these ministries. Are yep. you going to be the person to blow the whistle on that? Right. Because I mean, Lori Ann Thompson tried blowing the whistle on that and she got slapped with a, right. an NDA and, right. and a bunch of legal, legal and church culture so. really threw her out. Right. I mean, church culture overall yeah. said, and now listen, I mean, full disclosure, in a sense, I was kind of one of those people. I remember this story coming out and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, well there's, they, they did a quote unquote investigation. There's an NDA. I guess it never really happened. I kind mm-hmm. of almost self right. blocked it off because I was such, such a big believer in Ravi at the time. Um, and so it's yeah. easy just to believe the one in power as well. Right. Like it's, it's easy for the person mm-hmm. who's who has the ministry who's trying to save souls. It's easy and, for and you have history with them. 
Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're yes. going, yes. man, he's the reason I believe in God, or he's the totally. reason that I believe in, you know, this, or he's the reason, you know, some of these pastors, like, yep. you know, he's the one that married us. Like, this is the pastor in our church that married us. This is my youth pastor. Like, right. This is the person who pastored my parents before me. I grew up in Sunday school. Like, exactly. There's so much baggage, even especially with these high profile leaders. Like, who wants to believe that Ravi Zacharias, who we shared all these viral clips from, do you lock your doors at night. Like that clip's been shared like millions and millions of times. <laughs> right. Like, right. We don't want to believe that guy, like that bastion of righteousness is doing this. Right. But we've set ourselves up to crumble because we have put all our faith in the man, Ravi, as opposed right. to, you know, get all super spiritual on you instead of like the God man, Jesus. Like that's right. literally the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah, anyway, exactly not to right. cut you off. No, you're totally fine. And that is like another form of power, right? Like you don't even realize it, but the, I mean, when I was going through hard times through anxiety, depression, you know, I listened to Ravi's stuff is just thinking stuff. And I was like, wow, this is so helpful. So, and yeah. I would never say this in the sense of that. I really was hurt by what happened to, you know, with Ravi, because clearly like I wasn't hurt at all, but it, mm -hmm. it did kind of sting mentally, right. Of like, Oh man, like I almost feel kind of betrayed in a really roundabout way. So I'm yeah. with you all the way on that. Um, let's talk about you're you're currently working on a documentary. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> like anything, uh, COVID has been a amazing thing. So uh, yeah, be, I mean, basically, beginning of the year uh, that I started the, uh, started the podcast, uh, the original goal was just the documentary. And it looked like I was going to be shooting that in the summer of 2019 or 2020. Okay. Um, obviously I, I went to Florida for a convention and right. I came back and the world was shut down. Right. Um, right. I thought I was going to open back up, ended up canceling it. I've had, you know, there's been a lot of really interesting things that have happened the last two years. It will happen. Um, it's just been on pause. And honestly, the podcast, which was the afterthought, it was like, oh, I have way, way too many people coming to me. You know, I have to do more to be able to hear all those stories. Yeah. Um, it's really become a full-time, I, I, I say that and I don't think people get it, but like, it really is a full-time job. Like it's, it's, um, it's, it's very consuming. Um, and so, you know, as time goes on, I think the documentary has shifted and I think what it will be, um, but it, it will still happen at some point. I just, it's going to be when things are back to being semi-normal, which uh, I, I don't even want to say it'll be in the next few months because right. it'll just change right. it again. But <laughs> well, but, uh, um, your yeah, podcast the, seems to have taken off though, big time. I mean, I remember, I think that you shared yeah. a, a stat a couple weeks ago. I think it's like over a hundred thousand downloads, right? It's like several hundred thousand. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like three, it's like 330,000 last time, which was like the beginning of the month. It's, it's wild. Like it, and it, it, again, I started as an afterthought. Like I thought, okay, there's, when I announced the documentary, I had like 30 people reach out like the next day. And I was like, okay, I have to do a show to like, just talk to everybody. Totally. But you know, now it's at a point like, I mean, it's like 40,000 downloads a month, you know, just all wow. these people and they're people who, this is what kind of proves the thesis of the show is like all those people relate to the stories that are being shared and they're from all over the United States. Like hmm. it's pretty much all within the U S there's people from Florida, Texas, Illinois, like they all resonate with the stories being shared. Wow. And, and now it's gone, you know, with some of the guests that have been on now it's expanding to where, yes, I'm still staying in the IFB. I'll occasionally talk about just, you know, cause abuse is abuse everywhere. I'll talk with people from other denominations groups. So I have, I have Catholics that listen now more like I have people that resonate with some part. It's like a Sven or a Venn diagram. You know, you've got like <laughs> yeah. 
Like I resonate with the church abuse. I resonate yep. with just the abuse. I resonate with like this angle, this angle. And like, so it's really just become its own thing. And uh, the treadmill's moving faster and I'm like one person running <laughs> to, to keep I, up with it pretty much. I get it. I mean, I so. think though it's clear. I, I, I don't, I don't know of any other podcasts off the top of my head that I've encountered that like are dedicated to really exposing sex abuse um, in not only the IFB, but really, I mean, you have the potential to expand into the evangelical circles as a whole. Um, you yeah. know, I'm sure you see what like do better church does on Instagram. They have a whole account dedicated yeah. to letting Victor speak. Um, but I think your podcast is just such an amazing place to be able to, to have this conversation that for so many of us, we're like, yes, like this is problematic. And it is ironic yeah. that so many of us who are dedicated Jesus people are often maligned as like being divisive, quote unquote, or harmful. Yeah. But all we're trying to do is, is to make the church healthier by getting rid of abuse. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a few really good accounts. Like Julie Royce has a good podcast and she does some good, she does some good reporting and things like that. I, but yeah, with the, with the abuse side, I mean, it's, it's largely, social media and things like that. And which is good. I mean, like, I wish I had the social impact that some of these accounts have, you know, Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it, it has to be talked about. And yeah, it's, it's hilarious to me. Um, I mean, I've been, I, I've, I get some interesting reviews. I tend to share them, you know, bathing yes. in toilet water or like bitter, you know, can't take preaching and all this stuff. Oh, and the, the funny thing is, I think, I think people would be surprised how orthodox I am like that actually listen to the show or talk to me is that I'm a very orthodox, pretty traditional Christian in, in right. most ways, like theologically right. speaking. Um, but I, I did a, I did a post um, with Beth, Beth Allison Barr talking about her book, the make you biblical womanhood. Mm. And I shared that I went from being compliment, like literally in the last like year, I went from like complementarian mm -hmm. to egalitarian. Yep. And I had people going like, I knew this was why you were starting as you're trying to lure people into liberalism uh. and you're going, your pendulum is swinging this way. I was like, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm a literal, like, seven day, like creation. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm still in that realm. Like right. I'm super, super yep. tradition. Like, and, and it's just really, it's, it's just really funny that that's the, the kind of takeaway. But again, I think that's kind of where, I think that's kind of where you should be. Right. Is like, is like the, 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 I said the Christian story, like I'm like, like, I'm so, like the Christian story is really, yeah. but like the, the biblical narrative yes. is very, very, very clear on the gospel and on who Jesus is. And it's like, theologically speaking, could not be more clear mm. on those things. But the Bible is also very vague on a lot of like on end time stuff on, on, totally. on, the, uh, on, on creation. And so for me, I'm like, man, none of us are going to agree on any of this because we're all interpreting totally. a lot of this for yeah. ourselves. And so it's, uh, it's one of those things where I just, I, I kind of laugh because I'm like, man, I, I'm okay not fitting in a hundred percent with any of these groups yep. because I I'm just convinced like the egalitarian thing. Like I don't have an agenda. I don't care. It was, it was right. frustrating to me like to even say it because I knew people were going to shoot at me. Right. And it's like, but I'm convinced she, she convinced me with a good argument and with yep. good reasoning. So there I am. And there's other things that, you know, like even she's posted that I'm like, ah, I'm not on board with that really. Right. Or like that idea, but 
okay, who cares? We're the same. Are we the same on this or, or are we both on a baseline? Are we both human beings? So exactly. yeah, we can sit and have a conversation and, and, and exist. That, that's really <laughs> the question is, you know, I think for a lot of people on my account for me as well, coming out of um, some form of fundamentalism with some John MacArthur reformed in there. Um, it would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who doesn't, right? Okay, that's a whole another podcast. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. But I, I came out of it in one of my, my points that I say a lot to people who are in those more like fundamentalist camps is that, listen, I'm not asking you to change your theology. I'm just asking you to make room for mine. That's all I'm asking. Like, mm-hmm. can, can we just have some yeah. room at this table? Can we let people who don't see it the same way sit at the table and have their voices heard and, and respectfully dialogue and share our agreements and disagreements? That's a very different conversation than I'm trying to convert the reform person out, out of their reform theology, right? Because I, like, like yeah, you said, right. I get it. I get how people, how people can see the Bible a certain way. I get how people can get this theology, but there's no, there's not a lot of like room made for anything outside of what people deem orthodox. And then they insult you with the liberal slur. Like, like, like that is like the, the Trump card, right? Yeah. Like when all else fails, just call them a literally. Liberal. It's like, guys, it's literally can, can, the Trump card. It is. I mean, can, <laughs> but it just shows the lack of critical thinking. But anyway, that's for a whole different discussion because I, I very much resonate resonate with what you're saying. And I think you'll find as you continue on, you know, on the path that you're on as well as me that, yeah, like you and I can disagree on a lot of things and we can still have common ground and still respect each other despite those disagreements and still see each other as in the faith. Like it's possible to do both at the same time. So I'm very much with you on that. And and even those, and and even a level deeper, like even those outside of the faith, like the the fact, I mean, I've had people that have been like, I, you know, I've had people leave reviews or leave comments saying like, oh, you interviewed an atheist or you did. I'm like, so is their story of abuse not valid or do they not have anything that we can, you know? And so like, that's for, especially when you're dealing with the reform crowd, when you're like, okay, you want to wear shirts that say, you know, Imago Dei on them and talk about people made in the image of God, but then you also want to say like, oh, you had some, you know, some freak on your show. Who's like, you know, I know. And, and they'll throw out LGBT slurs and things. It's like, man, can we just like sit down and have a conversation and, yeah. and respect the humanity and one another. Right. Right. And it seems like that's a pretty core Christian principle. So you would, you would really anyway. think, but some of these accounts that you run into, you wonder like, okay, so this only means for your group. I mean, that's really what it comes down to you, right? Yeah. It's like God is love for your group and everyone else. He's <laughs> wrath and judgment. Right. So yeah, I, right. I'm a very big believer of, of not dehumanizing people, even the ones that we really don't like. I mean, I had a hard time with that with Trump, right? Like, how do I not dehumanize someone like Trump, who for me, it just grants all my gears for all the, all the right reasons. And it's like, that that is how we end that cycle of making someone the other, is by recognizing the humanity inside of them. So, um, right. listen, I mean, Eric, it was great having you on the show, honestly. And I'm looking forward to see what you're going to be doing, you know, down the line, especially with, with whenever the documentary is ready to go. But your podcast, if I could just encourage you, is it's needed. And I'm sure it's a ton of work. I mean, I run a small podcast and it's a ton of work sometimes. And so I can only imagine when you have, um, you know, things going on and a family, it can be a lot of work and sometimes even discouraging. Yeah. But please keep going because you're, you're absolutely doing, I would say, God ordained essential work that the church needs to be aware of. No, no, I really appreciate that. Yeah, the biggest thing is just time reading. Just bringing a lot, a lot of authors on, so I've yes. just been reading a ton of books. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's it's been it's been awesome, and I I have a lot of really cool supporters on my side that are that are kind of helping make it possible. So yeah, but uh, I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Where can where can people find you? Plug all all of your stuff: YouTube, Instagram, whatever else we can find you. Go for it. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely YouTube. Just search Preacher Boys, search Eric Skorzynski. You're probably going to have better luck searching Preacher <laughs> Boys uh, than that. Um, so I'm over there. Uh, you can, I think it's, I think it's Preacher Boys doc. So preacherboysdoc.com yes. slash YouTube. Uh, the, the website is preacherboysdoc.com. So preacherboysdoc. And then uh, all the social handles are at Preacher Boys Doc, again, DOC. And uh, yeah, definitely go check it out. Uh, really cool interview. I'm going to plug this because it's awesome. Yeah, go and, for it. Uh, everyone should go listen. But uh, I actually interviewed someone outside the IFB. I interviewed uh, Sarah Edmondson, who is in HBO's The Vow. Oh, shoot. Uh, you guys have checked that out. Yes, yeah, I so have. It's I've watched the whole thing. Yeah. So I just had her and Nippy, uh, her husband on. And so that's dropping next Wednesday, or I don't know when this drops, but it'll be Wednesday, the 24th. Um, so yeah, definitely guys go check that out. Uh, if for nothing else, that's probably a good spot, but, uh, yeah, keep, keep, a, keep an eye out. And, uh, if you like listening or watching or just reading, I probably have something for you. So. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Eric, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Ya no, porque Boost Mobile te da gratis un Samsung Galaxy A23 5G cuando te cambias y con el poder de las redes 5G más grandes del país. No más drama. ¿Qué será de mí? Cámbiate a Boost y llévate un Samsung Galaxy A23 5G gratis. Oferta por tiempo limitado, solo nuevos clientes disponible en ciertas redes. El servicio 5G no está disponible en todas partes. Un dispositivo por línea excluye impuestos. Aplican restricciones adicionales. Visita una tienda para detalles. That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds Wrap. And the sound of me not doing dishes. And the sound of me spending more time outside with my family. Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap. I like the sound of that.